Today I want to tell you a little about me and much about our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving glory to God. This I will do by reminding you of the event that God led me to at the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany, where I posted my 95 thesis. Perhaps you have heard of this? Also, we shall give glory to God as I answer the questions that you have for me. I know that you have some questions, and when it is time in a few minutes, you will ask, and I will reply in the order the questions are on your parchments. Please bear with my accent. You will notice that in the German tongue, we do not use words with the T and H together. This should not be so strange to you, for I hear many of you speak, especially your pastor Getty, without ever using the letter R. <laughs> so then, this is not all for you to hear this. And also the letter W, we Germans have no use for it. So, I was born November the 10th, 1843, in Eisleben, Saxony, which is in southwest Germany. We were peasants. Yet my father Hans found some success as a miner and wanted a better life for me. And so, when I was going to school, beginning at age seven, my father sent me to the Latin school, and then, when I was only 13 years old, to the University of Erfurt to study law. There, I earned both my baccalaureate and master's degrees in the shortest time allowed by the universities. I proved so adept in public address that I earned the nickname The Philosopher. Now, that is enough of me. And you will learn more in our questions and replies. But before that, let me tell you about the events leading to the 95 Thesis and some key theological points in that Thesis. You see, the monk John Setzel was selling indulgence for Pope Leo X, that's fine, for the construction of St. Peter's Basilica, for the Pope had emptied the treasury in his worldly lifestyle. He needed to sell these indulgences to pay for what he indulged in. His tastes were costly. Plays and shows, ballets, games abounded for the Pope. No chance for a hunt was turned down. And the papal treasury funded artists such as Raphael. Julius, the previous Pope, left a full treasury. The Leo X drained it in eight years. Now, perhaps somebody here can tell me about the indulgence. What is this? What is indulgence? This Roman Catholic Church made so famous. Brother, what is your name? Fritz. <laughs> uh, indulgences are monies that are paid uh, to get out of uh, purgatory earlier. Somebody tell me what is this purgatory? Did you know what is this is? It's a chasm. It is chasm. <laughs> is this brother for real? <laughs> is this is this a real brother? He seems to know a little about the Roman Catholic Church. So, purgatory. Hmm. Well, the indulgence the Roman Catholic Church taught covered the guilt of sins and could release souls from purgatory. Purgatory and Roman Catholic belief can be defined as place where 
or a state in which souls of the believers go after they die. Although these people have been forgiven of their sins, they are still liable to experience some temporary punishments before their admittance into heaven. They have to work out their salvation and purgatory through suffering and process of purification. Now, tell me, my brothers and sisters, what does the Bible say about this? My brothers and sisters, I was told today that you know the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> what does the Bible tell us about such a thing as this? Nothing. How will you defend against this? Do you know, when I was back in Wittenberg, the great suffering of the church for standing for these things, these things should be at the tip of your tongue. Now speak to me again, what is gospel? It's by grace, by faith, in Jesus Christ alone. This is beautiful sister, no? What you say is so true. Glory to God. We write songs about this and sing them together. Always we are happy about these things. Well, this of course contradicts the scripture of the free gospel of grace to face in Christ alone. So, to engage the Roman Catholic Church on this issue, I published my 95 thesis. And the recent invention of the Gutenberg printing press <laughs> meant that my arguments would travel quickly and reach the ears of the Pope and the councils. And as you know, on October 31, 1517, I posted my thesis for anyone to read on the door at the castle church at Wittenberg. You may hear that this did not happen, but this did. The Pope and the church were outraged. And the Pope cried out, Lord, there is wild boar loose in your vineyard. <laughs> well, I want to share with you some of the key points in the 95 Thesis that I was compelled by the word of God to insist upon. Number one, when our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, says repent, he means that the entire life of the faithful should be a repentance. This statement cannot be understood of the sacrament of penance. Do we know what this is? Were any of you unfortunate enough to grow up in the Roman Catholic Church? <laughs> My brother, what is your name, this funny thing? You look at me this. Anthony. Brother. St. Anthony. St. Anthony. Sure. <laughs> what is this sacrament of penance? I don't. Brother. Okay. Um, where you confess your sins and they are forgiven by a priest. Thank you, brother. This statement cannot be understood of the sacrament of penance, that is, of confession and sanctification, which is administered by the priesthood. You see, in the Roman Catholic Church, the priest would absolve you of your sins if you confess to him of your venial sins. For the mortal sins, there is very little hope. Very little hope for the mortal sins. These are not the little sins. Hmm? They preach human folly who pretends that as soon as money in their copper rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Mm. 
Shall I do all 95 of these, my process and sisters? <laughs> Those who suppose that on account of their letters of indulgence that they assure salvation will be eternally damned along with their teachers. Every Christian who truly repents has plenary or full forgiveness of punishment and guilt bestowed on him, even without the letters of indulgence. <coughs> Christians should be taught that whoever sees a person in need, instead of helping him, uses his money for an indulgence, obtains not an indulgence of the Pope, but the pleasure of God. What is guilt before God? What do you do with your guilt, my brothers and sisters? What do you do? <coughs> Share with one another. What do you do with this guilt? What is this feeling of guilt? Is this good? This is very quiet, class. In Germany, we are loud. We speak what is on our minds. What is guilt? I will call on one of my brothers, on one of my sisters. What is guilt? Brother, anybody but this brother. <laughs> we will ask pretty lady in back with a man with the gray hair. At least I got a hair. Sister, tell me what is guilt. <laughs> Pardon me. Like in Germany, we don't say those things unless we are drinking beer. <laughs> Sister. I told the person. What, what is guilt? Guilt. What is guilt? Yes. I want what is in your heart when you speak yeah. to God about your guilt. What is guilt when you speak to God? Feelings that you're undeserving. Oh. You've done wrong and you're not, you're not holy, you're not pure. You have a Amen. Where do these feelings come from? How does God make these feelings known to us? Susie? Ah, thank you, brother. The Holy Spirit. Yes. The Holy Spirit. This was a fruitful answer. My brother. You are a peach. How does he give us, how does he let us know? That yes, sister, how does he let us know that we have offended him? Some are much better at asking the questions than giving the answers, yes? <laughs> questions in the, in the churches of God are so easy, are they not? We're changing our heart. Yes. Brother. By conviction of the Holy Spirit. To feel this weight of sin, to feel this weight of separation from our God, is great gift. Christians who <coughs> should be taught that the Pope ought and would give his own substance to the poor, from whom certain preachers of indulgence extract money, even if he had to sell St. Peter's Cathedral to do it. Every true Christian, whether living or dead, has a share in all the benefits of Christ and of the church, for God has granted him these, without the letters of indulgence. 
this shameless preaching of pardons makes it hard for even learned men to defend the Pope's honor against calumny or to answer the indubitably shrewd questions of the laity. For example, why does not the Pope empty purgatory for the sake of holy love? For after all, he does not release countless souls for the sake of sordid money contributed to the building of a cathedral? So many of our brothers and sisters died for so much less than this. In the days of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the days of his apostles, so many died. Perhaps even you know Johann Hus. Someone tell me about him. Someone tell me about Johann Hus. Other than his brother Farley, he seems to be the most knowledgeable in the entire class. He was jailed for preaching the gospel. He was jailed for preaching gospel. And martyred. And martyred. Yes. Burned at the stake. How was he killed, sister? At the stake. He became a stake. And he was promised safe passage to where he would give account. Where he would give opportunity to recant, he was promised safe passage, and they lied to him, the filthy dogs. The Pope said, Pig and all of his counsels and friends were responsible for doing this. And the civil authorities, who very much were together with the Pope, to suppress these very telling arguments of the laity by force instead of answering them. Without adequate reasons would be to expose the church and the Pope to the ridicule of their enemies and to render Christians unhappy. To suppress these very telling arguments of the laity by force. Do not ask your questions of the Pope. Do not challenge the church. Without adequate reasons instead of force. This is how your brothers and sisters live under the weight of the Roman Catholic oppression and the civil authorities who both gave and received much money from the church. We should admonish Christians to follow Christ, the head, through punishment, death, and hell. And so let them trust let them set their trust on entering heaven through many tribulations rather than some false security and peace. Amen? Yes. Within two months, Jonathan Tetzel, that swine who was selling the indulgence, fired back with his own thesis, saying, Christians be taught that the Pope, by the authority of his jurisdiction, is superior to the entire Catholic Church and its councils. And that they should humbly obey his statutes. This was not a man, says John Tetzel, was a little weasel, little worm. Then, in 1520, Pope Leo X published the bull Exerge Domini. What this means? My brothers and sisters, you know this? Does this beautiful lady know the Latin? She is beautiful. You remind me of my wife, Katie. Stand up and let her talk. <laughs> In June 1520, 
Leos the tent, publish the bull, excuse the domini, rise up, O Lord! Which outlined 41 errors of Luther, which of course were no errors at all. I was warned unequivocally that if I did not publicly renounce these errors and submit myself to the authority of the Roman Church, that I would be excommunicated. Which was far more serious than to simply be shunned by the church. Excommunication, more often than not, carried with it the penalty of torture and death at the hands of the civil authorities. Well, instead of submitting to the Pope's bull, (laughs) I publicly burnt it, along with a copy of the Code of Canon Law which is the law of the Catholic Church. I told my followers that in condemning my teaching, the Pope had condemned the Gospel itself. In this, the Pontiff had revealed himself to, in fact, be the occupant of the office of the Antichrist predicted by the New Testament. My defiance resulted in my official excommunication on January the 3rd, 1521. I avoided execution for this because of my huge popularity with the general public, but I was called to a diet in the town of Worms. What is diet? Do you eat worms? <laughs> what is diet? Council. A council, a meeting. A council meeting, an assembly of the Holy Roman Empire to explain myself. In this diet is the gathering of the Imperial Council. It would be like your Senate Judiciary Committee hearings. Here, important religious and political questions were decided upon. My friend, Prince Frederick the Wise of Saxon, ensured my safe travel and arrival at Worms so that I did not suffer the same fate as a Jean-Han host, so that I would not be killed there on the way. Well, I arrive on April the 16th, 1521. I appeared before the Diet and was questioned by papal theologian Jean-Han Eck about my many writings. I was asked if I would recant And then I asked him for a day to think and pray about that. This was not my normal course of action. I was very quick with tongue. You may have read Martin Luther was very quick, angry at times man. In this he was. But what would you do? What would you do if you were told to recant of the gospel itself? (coughs) <coughs> what would you do? Mm-hmm. We pray that the grace of God would be with us in such a time that we would die. On April the 18th, after much prayer and consulting many of great esteem, I did reappear before the council. I first reminded them that they were asking me to recant three different types of writing. Three. One was devotional writing. Words that were accepted even by my opponents. This made no sense to have to recant these. It would be of no use. Then, 
there were several writings in which I directed my arguments against certain individuals and I was most harsh and severe towards them. For truly they were most stupid. And my arguments were harsh. And for this I was sorry. I was sorry after I had been told and had been <coughs> spoke to by many good friends that Martin Luther, your words are strong. You speak these harsh things. However, I could not recant of the substance of those arguments. Now, the third group of treatises I stood against the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church on aberrations like indulgences which cannot be found in and which contradict the scriptures. They demanded a response from me. Martin Luther, yes or no, do you recant of these writings? The room was full of these people. Many who were on my side, praying for me. Many who looked at me like great wolves, wanted to eat and devour me, who wanted me dead, and to feel the weight of this. Martin Luther, yes or no, do you recant of these writings? So, I gave them answer. Since your majesty and your lordships require a simple reply, I will answer without horns and without teeth. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have often contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Amen. On the way back to Wittenberg, I was captured by Frederick the Great, a Frederick the Wise soldiers, posing as highwaymen. So, Frederick the Great, the Wise from Saxony, was in those days elector. When the great princes would be the ones that would elect the religious councils. And my friend, Frederick the Wise, who was loved me, saw to it that I was not captured on the way back to Wittenberg and kicked. I was escorted to the Wattbeck Castle in the heart of the Sarungian Forest. I remained there in hiding for a little under a year. I used the time to translate the New Testament into German and write a number of theological treatises. Now, I understand that you have questions for me and I will answer them. So, who has the question number one? Friar. Can I call you Friar? <laughs> Brother, we have same hair. Speak, speak to me. We are, we are like twin brothers. Amen to that. I feel that you are my comrade. Brother, tell me about your conversion. Huh? Well, in 1505, my life took dramatic turn. 
at the age of 21, I fought my way through a severe thunderstorm on the way to Erfurt. A bolt of lightning struck the ground near me. Help me, Satan! I will become a monk! And I fulfilled this vow. I gave away all my possessions and entered the monastic life. I struggled greatly with many sins and my conscience was always with guilt. Do you struggle with guilt, my brothers and sisters? Does sometimes you feel as though the grace of God is still not good for you? To deliver you from the wrath to come? Do you sometimes wonder these things alone by yourself? Whether or not you truly belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or if you have fooled yourself? These things were always in my head. Always struggling I was against the devil. So much so that once I threw my ink veil at him. It is said that somewhere in Germany these days, they are spotting the ball from the ink that I threw at him. I will become a monk. So I worked harder and harder at my vows in spiritual disciplines. If anyone could have earned heaven by the the life of a monk, it was I. Yet, I was most miserable. If it had not been for Dr. Staupitz, my confessor, to whom I confessed my sins, sometimes for hours trying to remember every sin, I should have sunk in hell. He would say to me, Martin, all you need to do is love good. Love good? I hated him! So afraid was I of Christ as judge that I could get no relief. At last, meditating day and night by the mercy of good, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that through which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. Here I felt as if I were entirely born again and entered paradise itself through the gates that I had flung wide open. And this was my conversion to this day. It is the gospel, the free grace of good. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his beloved son, what keeps me from this despair. Never again do I despair like this. I would very much like to hear conversion of somebody here. Would someone like to share their testimony with the people here? Someone tell us about the grace of God in saving you. You are rich! And you are rich! Would someone share with me their testimony and warm the heart of Martin Luther, your brother? Or shall I alone give glory to God this morning? When my brothers and sisters die, it is hard to know that someone could not share their faith. Their confidence in the gospel that anybody at any time suppose I was wretch on the street and asked you about Jesus Christ, what would you say to me happen to you? Why you go into this church every Sunday? I see you sinking your hymns, eating your donuts, drinking your coffee. What is happy here? Is it beautiful sister in the back?
Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Would anyone else like to share these things? My brother. In September 1977, in my second year of law school, I heard the gospel here that I didn't have to work my way in, nor could I ever work my way into heaven. That it was the free gift. Oh, what's that? Connected at once. And your soul just rise to God? And the doors of paradise were flung open? You know that my father wanted also me to be a lawyer. But I must become monk. Most disappointed he was. Most disappointed my poor father Hans. He was a good father, so. Smart man. Good father, so. I will take the next question from you. What are thoughts on the importance of the Bible? Ah, the word of God. Infinite potentates have raged against this book and sought to destroy and to uproot it. King Alexander the Great, the princes of Egypt and Babylon, and monarchs of Persia, of Greece, and of Rome, the emperors Julius and Augustus, but they nothing prevailed. They are all gone and vanished. But the book, but the book remains. And will remain forever and ever, perfect and entire, as it was declared at the first. Who has thus helped it? Who has thus protected it against such mighty forces? No one surely but God himself, who is the master of all things. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. If you want to interpret well and confidently by the way, the scriptures set Christ before you. For he is the man to whom it all applies, every bit of it. The Bible. Do you read your Bibles each day, my friends? Every day is the Bible open before you. Good morning, my sisters and my brother. Good morning, brother and my sisters. The Christ of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you, my brother. Do you read your Bibles every day? Is the scripture open? Listening to the scripture on these things you carry, these phones, on the radios, these wonderful things you have so many ways to hear the word of God. When your brothers and sisters, back in the days when I was ministering, would die for the scriptures. Let us be ever from God, never afraid to be so diligent in the word of God that somehow we are not with the mind of Christ, when at each moment we need it, are we ready to give answer for the hope that is in us? And please ask, I take the next question. Ah, faith. Faith is a living Daring confidence in God's grace. A living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. 
I know not the way God leads me, but I well know my guide. I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, this I still possess. That is what we can say about faith. And what do you say? How would you say, how would you qualify your faith this morning? Do we wake up in the morning on Sundays, come ready to worship our God together? Or is somehow other things on our mind, and we get to church, and there we begin to maybe slip into the holy mind? Faith, my brothers and sisters, is always active, always living, always alive. A thousand times. And the next question, please. Mike had to leave. I have number four. Um, what do you have to say about the papacy? Is the Pope the vicar? Ah, the Pope, the Pontiff, the Papacy. Well, let me first say that I am more afraid of my own heart than of the Pope and all the Cardinals. I am more afraid of my own heart than of the Pope and all the Cardinals. I have within me the great Pope self. I have within me the great Pope self. Now let me ask you this question. Since we are talking about the Pope, in what way mean I the great Pope self? What does this mean? Hmm? What do I mean by the great Pope self? This is question for my friends. This is not for me. I know the answer for me. I would think that we have a tendency to look at ourselves uh, and that our mindset is superior. In my heart, sometimes I am the Pope. What I say will go. What I think will be. Where I go, others will follow. This is great sin. We have very much need to fear what is in our heart more than any man. Mm. Always. But having said that, a simple man with scripture has more authority than the Pope or a council. A simple unlearned man or woman with the scripture has more authority than the Pope or a council. Amen. And personally, I declare that I owe the Pope no other obedience than to the Antichrist. That's true. I will not answer to men this day. There are awful things that have happened. Awful things that have happened in the papacy and the practice of the Roman Catholic Church and of course we are not completely innocent in all these things what we have is next question what is the best way to serve others mm. brothers and sisters before I answer this question how do you serve your brothers and sisters how do you serve them how do you serve them this volley is full of the answers. <laughs> the, brother, in the monastery we did take vow of silence. <laughs> <laughs> it's most difficult. 
Harder to be celibate. Harder to be silent is then celibate. Harder to be silent is then celibate. It was. It was hand in the back. Sister, what is your name? Sandy. Sandro. Oh, it's pretty name, sister. I like to feed them. Feed them. Ah, what great way to serve. Feed. Oh, the fellowship of the food. Many times did we have people at our home, Katie and I, and we would have people around the table. Perhaps you have read the table talk. This was not from your brother Asi's prose at first this came. <laughs> this was from the, mat- the heart and the mind of Martin Luther as my students would recall these things and we talked about so many. I would strongly encourage you to find these writings on the table talk. Yeah. To find Christ in such poverty and what is his swaddling clothes and manger signify are explained that his poverty teaches us how we should find him in our neighbors the lowliest and the most needy and his swaddling clothes are the holy scriptures that in actual life we should incline to the needy and in our studies and contemplative life only to the scriptures in order that Christ alone may become the man of both lives and that we he may everywhere stand before us so that we are always ready to serve who we see is the Lord Jesus Christ in our neighbors and in our friends. If we see Christ, will we not serve? Why do we not see Christ? What is great distraction from serving others, brothers and sisters? What keeps you from serving? What things? What things serve you? Hmm? What things keeps your brothers and your sisters from serving? Maybe this is not you. Perhaps you would like to use the example of your invited friends to tell us. <laughs> what is it that your friends do not do to serve Christ that you see in them? If you could correct them, what would you say to them? It's much easier to see it in others. So, we will do it others. <laughs> well, again, perhaps it is the great Pope self. Hmm? We are so occupied with ourselves that we do not follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ look out not only for your own interest brothers and sisters but also the interest of others have this mind in you what was in Christ Jesus and the next question is how should we understand trials and suffering as Christians trials and suffering I, I see in this land we are so free to speak to speak of the gospel in the streets to give out the papers to speak on the radio these are wonderful things it's hard sometimes we know to understand suffering for gospel in free country like this but there are also other forms of struggling and hardship that are not just directly related to our testimony there are things which make us angry, things that, how do we react to the suffering, to the difficulties of our lives? I will say that those speak foolishly who ascribe their anger or their impatience to such as offend them or to tribulation. Tribulation does not make people impatient, but proves that they are impatient. 
so everyone may learn from tribulation how their heart is constituted. In 1527, I spent more than a week in death and hell. My entire body was in pain and I still tremble. Completely abandoned by Christ, I labored under the vacillations and storms of desperation and blasphemy against good. But through the prayers of the saints, my friends, God began to have mercy on me and pulled up my soul from the inferno below. And so you must pray for your brothers and sisters as they suffer. For even after all that I had been through, there I was still vacillating under these storms of desperation and blasphemy against good, by struggling so hard against him. Also, the loss of my daughter Magdalene at the age 13 was cause for me to reflect most seriously on God's providence. This was most hard. Yet, I have learnt in hardship that it would be neither good nor useful for man to know what great blessings lie hidden under such trials. Some have wanted to fathom these and have thereby done themselves much harm. Therefore, we should willingly endure the hand of God in this and in all suffering. Willingly. What is hard about suffering? What is great fear we have in suffering? These are questions that we should be free to answer in the public, or at least when we are with our God, to be honest with ourselves before Him. What is it that we fear in suffering? Is it that God is not for us? What is great suffering that we fear so much from? Someone said, What have you feared in suffering? Have you feared pain? Have you feared that perhaps you will not have what you once had? We should willingly endure the hand of God in this and it all suffering. I have another question. We are on some number of questions. Ah, music in this church. Music is a fair and lovely gift of good. Next, after theology, I give to music the highest place and the greatest honor. I would not exchange what little I know of music for something great. Experience proves that next to the word of God, only music deserves to be extolled as the mistress and governess of the feelings of the human heart. We know that to the devils, music is distasteful and insufferable. I give to music the highest place and the greatest honor. Part of the success of the Reformation was due in part to the use of hymns. I combined both high art and folk music in my hymns so as to make the theology of the Reformation part of the everyday culture of the people. The result was that songs about justification by faith alone and the authority of God's words were sung in homes by housewives over dirty dishes and in pubs by farmers and mill workers over pints of ale. We drank lots of beer in those days. 
the water was terrible. My wife Katie, we want wonderful brewery in our home. We drank many beers. And this is truth that in addition to the 95 theses, the things that we did also to stick our thumb in the eye of the church was to begin to use hops in the beer. For the Roman Catholic Church was taxing all the ingredients and, and hops was not being used yet. Not very much. So we used hops in beer and this way we also were able to kick back against the Roman Catholic practice of taking everything from the poor. And we have time for one last question. Ah, brother. Is that your glorified body? (laughs) (laughs) If this is my glorified body, brother, I pray to God that never you die. (laughs) Uh, Can you tell us about your marriage? Ah. I once said I shall never take a wife. As I feel at present, not that I am insensible to my flesh or sex, for I am neither wood nor stone, but my mind is averse to wedlock because I daily did expect to die the death of a heretic. And so to get married at that time did not make any sense to me. And I had long condemned vows of celibacy, but my decision to marry surprised even the closest of my friends, in 1525, I married Katharina von Bora, a former nun who had abandoned the convent and taken refuge in Wittenberg. My great friend Philip Melanchthon thought it was reckless. But me and Katie had what many would call successful marriage. We bore six children together, and our home was a place of theology and of great hymns. And with our six children, we would sing together to God. It was a church right in our home. And in many other ways, was our home a place with the things of God that were always on our hearts and always on our minds. And with my lovely Katie wife, we did minister together the grace of God. My brothers and sisters, thank you for having me here today. We are going to go upstairs and worship together the Lord Jesus Christ and sing together and celebrate the Reformation. And it would be the grace of God for someone to close us in prayer. The quiet brother here, Jonathan, he is one who could pray for us. Yes? Father, we thank you so much for the men that you've raised up throughout mm-hmm. time to preach your word, to preach your gospel, to stand tall in your word. And we thank you for the life of Martin Luther and what he did to bring the word to the common mm. the common man, the common woman to write the uh, to translate the Bible into German, the common language of his people. We just thank you that Martin was able to get your word into everyone's hands, Lord, and to, to have that personal relationship with you. We pray, Lord, that uh, this day that we continue to have our own personal relationships with you as we dig through your word and pray and cry and study and, and pray for others and just let us be reminded that we need those Ebenezers in our lives just like Israel did when they crossed the river. They had to build the Ebenezer. They needed that reminder of the power of you and that everything is possible with you and nothing is impossible with God. Mm. And let us be reminded, Lord, because you know we're forgetful and stubborn and thick-headed sometimes and we need to be reminded. So help us with that, Father, and we just thank you that these days that we live in, they can continue to raise up men and women 
that are not afraid of man, but are afraid of you, that fear you, mm. and that preach your word. And we pray that we honor and glorify the name of your Son today as we worship and the, and the word is preached. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.